The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are rotten on Rotten Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 1995's Mortal Kombat. Directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, starring Robin Shu, Lyndon Ashby, Carrie, Hiroyuki Tagawa, Brigitte Wilson, Christopher Lambert, Talisa Soto, Trevor Goddard, Chris Casamasa, and Francois Petit. Mortal Kombat is a 1995 action and adventure film directed by Paul W.S. Anderson based on the Mortal Kombat series of fighting games. The film was the first part of the Mortal Kombat film franchise. This movie currently holds a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? The Emperor of Outworld has his sights set on conquering the realm of Earth, but in order to do so, he has to win 10 straight ancient Mortal Kombat tournaments. The Emperor's sorcerer, Shang Tsung, has led Outworld's forces to nine straight victories. The only thing standing between Earth and the Emperor's evil forces are three humans. It will be up to Lord Raiden to teach his three warriors to look deep inside themselves to find the ability to beat Shang Tsung and save the realm of Earth from devastation. Okay, Martin, Mortal Kombat! What's your history with this? I saw this in the theaters opening night. I literally remember bouncing up and down in my seat with anticipation. And uh, I, I don't think I was alone in this. I was absolutely the key demographic for this movie. Little boy, loved the game. So excited to see this thing. For the longest time after I saw this movie, I thought that this was the single best video game movie adaptation ever made. Do I still think that? We'll find out. I remember seeing this movie and literally being high on life. I was so happy. Mortal Kombat 3 came out the exact same month that this movie came out. I distinctly remember standing around the arcade machine, playing it with my friends. We were talking about the movie, playing the game at the same time. It's a great time to be alive. <laughs> it was It was a great time for us, apparently, our... Uh... Our, our, our childhoods were shaped by this movie in ways that... We can't even imagine. Yeah, it's still it's still echoing throughout our lives right now. It's going to affect our children's lives, probably. Yeah, I was huge into Mortal Kombat, the games. I, I had them for the home system. I remember Mortal Monday when the games came out for the home systems. Yeah, I was big into this stuff. And not so much today, but I don't know. I, I'm really worried about this movie. I don't want it to devolve into just nerd talk, you know, Mortal Kombat nerd talk. But let's do what we always do at the top of the show and talk about the actors and we'll see how you thought they did there these people's names are whatever so let's just do <laughs> let's just call by the characters yeah the characters okay Liu kang that was robin shu he was probably the most most emotional actor in this movie <laughs> and i don't know what that says this movie lacks a story so as far as like acting goes if if you don't have a story to work with i don't know how you you know what you're supposed to be feeling so that i, I can imagine that being a huge problem for all the actors in this movie. He looked the part, that's for sure. He definitely looked like Liu Kang. Uh, was he yeah, but he was, good? he was born that way. It's not, it's, it's not like he was acting his, he wasn't like method <laughs> acting into Liu Kang where he like went around his room like bicycle kicking all day to like get into character. Okay, next up, Johnny Cage, Lyndon Ashby. He was Johnny Cage. He played Johnny Cage to a T. He had the most wisecracks. He did a good job. Yeah, I'll give him. He was Johnny Cage. You're right. That, that was a good casting. Yeah. He, he did a good job. All right, Sonya Blade. I have a pretty interesting piece of trivia about her. Cameron Diaz was originally set to play Sonya Blade, but she broke her wrist before filming and was replaced with Brigitte Wilson. Can you imagine Cameron Diaz? Breaking her wrist? Yes. Over and over again. I don't know if this movie was, it was the same year as The Mask. I don't know if this is before or after she so, rocketed to so stardom. This, this could have been a make or break for her. It probably would have broke her because, like, 
if she, she chose this over the mask, I don't know. Anyway, Raiden, Christopher Lambert. Oh, boy. What, was he good as a thunder god? No. The warriors he, of Outworld. Okay, here, here's... All right, yeah. My warriors. It's like, oh, he, what? what? What was that? <laughs> he, 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 he sounded like he was really sick. And at first, like, I felt bad for him because, like, he was obviously nursing the flu or something. He, the, and then to compound his, like, horrible voice acting, they, they would lay over these horrible eye lightning effects that made his voice acting even more ridiculous so yeah the suspension of disbelief is pretty high on, on, a, <laughs> on a movie like this you really just gotta go with the flow oh what about Shang Tsung that guy he was Shang Tsung he's a little too young to be Shang Tsung isn't Shang Tsung supposed to be like a mortal here we go with the nerd talk you know <laughs> <laughs> who played Kano that's the only person who actually acted in this movie Trevor Goddard I think okay so I think that it's worth mentioning in a movie full of people that didn't act this man stood alone he was definitely having fun with a, a throwaway role, pretty much. Like, he was... He was. He went he, for it. He, he went for it, so, you know. So this movie starts off with the most memorable thing about this movie. There is one thing that came out of the Mortal Kombat movie that has a legacy that still echoes to this day, and that's the Mortal Kombat theme song. You know, I'd play it now, but I kind of want to keep the copyright infringement on this show to a minimum. So if you've never heard the song before, I know you have. Even if you think you've never heard it, <laughs> you've heard it. <laughs> I remember it got radio play, like legitimate radio play when I was a kid and I thought that was the coolest thing that the Mortal Kombat theme song I remember blushing when my mom came home and started doing step aerobics on the TV popped in a DVD not a DVD a VHS and had this song playing I was I felt like I was being violated that this was an area that only I was allowed to be in Mortal Kombat and my mom was you know stepping on that territory if there's ever a song that you want to work out to it's this in the 1990s perfect perfect workout song that it really gets you pumped yeah so if you've never heard this song which I doubt, head on over to yesthatbad.com. I'm going to put a link to it. So you, you can hear it in all its glory. I can sum up this story in a sentence or a sentence or two, and uh, I think I'll give it a shot. Yeah, yeah, give so, this movie's uh, thesis. He, here, this is what Mortal Kombat is about, and this the plot of a video game distilled in movie form. Mortal Kombat is a tournament that's fought between two different dimensions, Earth and Outworld. And in order for Outworld to take over Earth, they have to win 10 straight Mortal Kombat. The problem is they've won nine. And this is the last one where it'll be possible for them to come over and just take us over. And Liu Kang is the chosen one because there always has to be a chosen one. He's going to fight and stand up for or whatever. They never explain the rules, and it, they, I, I don't understand how fighting allows a portal between dimensions to open up. Does, <laughs> yeah. that, does that make sense to you? This movie starts off with Shang Tsung stealing Liu Kang's brother's soul. That kicks everything off into motion. And we see we get like scene after scene of the three main characters and how they are introduced to the tournament. So Liu Kang, he was fated to go. He's going there for vengeance. Okay, and uh, Johnny Cage, he's an actor, and he's like a Jean-Claude Van Damme type of guy. And the tabloids are calling him a fake. So to prove that he's the real deal, he's going to Mortal Kombat. If he's such a strong fighter, why does Shang Tsung want him there? Because Shang Tsung was like in a dis- like a he morphed into an old man. That is man a really good point. And gave Holy him a scroll, shit. and oh it's my- like it's like it's like I'm trying to take over the world. Let me get a strong fighter here, so it's harder for me to do it. What the? F- <laughs> That's unbelievable. You're right. I never thought of that. 
That is a really good point. Okay, in the movie, Johnny Cage goes up to this guy sitting in his chair, and I guess it's supposed to be his agent or whatever. And he goes, I know of a tournament where the best of the best fight. And he gives him a scroll and tells him to go to the boat. And then three seconds later, we find out that it's really Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung is a sorcerer and apparently is supposed to have a lot of knowledge about all of these people already. So that being said, you would think that he'd want to make it as easy as possible so that his he, boss... He would win, you know, because yeah, there's win. a lot of riding on this, the last tournament. Yeah. So then why is he inviting him? All right, let's let that one go. <laughs> Sonya Blade, she is like uh, special ops, whatever. She's a in source. a typical 1990s rave. People are jumping around the mosh pit. She pistol whips people with a shotgun in this scene, and they keep dancing. Then... They start having a firefight with machine guns and shotguns, and people are still dancing. She pulls out her assault rifle and murders a man in front of 500 people. No one hears it. <laughs> you know what, though? You know, guns are loud. Even in a loud club, you're going to hear it. The reason that Sonya Blade is in this tournament is because she chases Kano onto the boat that takes everybody there. You know, here's, here's the question. If this tournament is such a big deal and only the best of the best are allowed, she's a stowaway. Why don't they just, like, kill her? It's weird, too, because Shang Tsung is like, Kano, I need you to kill Sonya Blade. Like, he knew who she was. No, in fact, no, he didn't say that. He said, don't kill her. I need her. Only humiliate her. Like, what did he need her for? How did he know that she was coming? <laughs> <laughs> It was a complete accident, wasn't it? I'll let that one slide. All right. So, yeah. So, that's how everybody made it on the Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Oh, and then there's there's one random character who has nothing to do with the games whatsoever. His name is like Art Lean or something. He's just a random guy who Johnny Cage happens to know. Okay. So, now everybody's on the boat. They're on their way to Mortal Kombat Island to battle. Finally, cool characters from the game finally show up. Yeah, it's when the ninjas show up. Yeah, Sub-Zero and Scorpion. For those who don't know, Sub-Zero is a blue ninja. Scorpion is yellow. Sub-Zero shoots ice. Scorpion is like an undead warrior who can shoot a spear out of his hand. In and, this movie, it's like a snake or Yeah, something. which, by the way, I have a big issue with that. So in the game, he shoots a spear and he grabs into. In this movie, it's like a bird or, or something. It's got a beak. It's got a beak and teeth. It's unbelievably bad looking. Like the CG is horrendous. It's like, what the hell were they thinking when they were like, yeah, let's make it a bird. Okay, so the ninjas show up on the boat and they look like they're about to fight our three heroes. And then Raiden flies in on a fireball. <laughs> Everything just blows up and there's fire everywhere. When he comes in and when he comes out, the three main actors are standing dead still, looking straight ahead as if nothing happened. Like this is the beginning of the blue screen special effects days. People don't know how to react when there's nothing there. I thought it was funny that they just, they just stand there like looks dead ahead while all this fire is whirling <laughs> around them. <laughs> so I have a pretty important note I wrote down here. I wrote, this acting sucks. <laughs> what do you think? I agree with you. But <laughs> right after this, this is a pretty amazing scene. So Shang Tsung goes on top of the boat and he goes, it has begun. And then an enormous CG skull <laughs> appears in the sky. <laughs> With fire all around it. It looked like the Death Eaters mark from Harry Potter. The CG on this was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you think of this? Oh, it was so stupid. I uh, I don't even I don't remember this from when I saw it when I was a little kid. No, I and didn't remember that happening me, at all. This caught me off guard. Guard, I almost fell out of my, my seat. My jaw dropped. Was, <laughs> what? This does not translate well to present day at all. <laughs> at all. I'm sure I ate that up though when I was uh, back in 1995. I was like, oh my god, that's so cool. 
You know what? You know what's really funny? I'm gonna I'm gonna relate this back to the actors. I bet that like they they woke up out of their trailer, they're groggy. They come and they they do the line and they're like, "Oh man, that was horrible. Let's let's do that again." And the director's like, "Don't worry, these kids are gonna eat this up anyway." Yeah. So don't even worry about it. Let's save the money on film. All right. So they finally get to the island, and Sonia Blade is trying to call her superiors, but none of her electronics are working. Liu Kang knows why, though. Yeah. So Liu Kang goes up to her and he goes, "You know that's not gonna work. You know, check your compass." Which is spinning wildly. Like they're in the center of the planet or <laughs> on another dimension or something. And <laughs> Well, essentially, it's a nexus point between two dimensions, right? Yeah, yeah. So this compass is just spinning all over the place, which begs the question, how the hell did Liu Kang know that? It's interesting because a minute later, they're like, Liu, what's going on? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> He just said, but he just it, he just it gave information out that like it insinuates that he knows exactly what is happening. Is he like a bird? He has like magnet in his in his brain. Like he's like a carrier pigeon. All right, and then uh, Goro shows up, and for those who don't know, Goro is a four armed monster man. Yeah, he's who fights to be people like half dragon. Person. What, whatever, who cares? He was interesting. He looked a lot better than the CG crap that's in this movie. Like he, he I, I'm assuming he was a puppet. He looks like it was made by Jim Henson Studios, and I say that with a lot of respect. I feel like as far as special effects go, Jim Henson Studios is pretty top notch. He's probably the best effect in this movie. He's a little too skinny for me. I thought he should have been wider. I, okay, at, at this point in the movie, I wrote down another interesting note. I have nothing to say. Because there's just nothing to say. There's nothing to, like, what do you what do you think? Like, there is nothing to talk about, really, this, at this point, anyway. There's no plot. It was, yeah, right? there's nothing. It's, no, plot, it's there's, plotless. There's, there's nothing for me to sink my teeth in. Like, the flimsiest possible plot. The action isn't that good. No. Let's, let's be fair. I mean, it, the fighting is not that interesting in this movie. Everything looks cheap. I feel like there's, everything looks cheesy. I, I, I feel like there was almost no choreography that went into the fighting. Almost none. For a movie that is called Mortal Kombat, I feel like that's an enormous problem. I guess, you know, it's, it's hard to look back. I mean, we're four years before The Matrix completely changes what fight choreography in a movie looks yeah, like. Yeah, it's not like Ip Man or whatever. Okay, so speaking about fighting, what we see after this series of events is just fight after fight after fight after fight. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you go see the Mortal Kombat movie and you want to see fighting, right? That's what little kids want to see. You mentioned this fight on the beach and that's where uh, there's uh, there's a, Luke Kang is fighting a guy who's like making roaring noises like a lion <laughs> for some reason while he's fighting. Yeah, so Luke Kang just demolishes this lion man and then Shang Tsung decides to steal this guy's soul. Okay, so this is this is interesting. <laughs> The effect is so bad. This is interesting. <laughs> so Shang Tsung takes his hand, <laughs> puts it over this guy's body. Now, please remember this <laughs> for later. He puts the guy's hand over his body and steals his soul. And it looked like muscles. And you, you, can see, you can see his muscles, muscles in his bones. And it looks like they're getting sucked out of his body <laughs> into <laughs> Shang Tsung's hand. And when he's done, this guy's on the ground. He's all blue. <laughs> it looks like he was frozen. <laughs> like he was frozen solid. Now, keep that in mind because that's going to come up later. <laughs> okay. So then after that, the next person in the tournament is Kano and Sonya Blade. This is the most preposterous <laughs> fight 
I have ever seen in a movie. It's even more preposterous than Goro versus Johnny Cage because Goro's a giant <laughs> dragon forearm yeah, Goro, man. Goro is a fictional monster. <laughs> and, and it's still more believable in this fight. <laughs> this fight of Sonya Blade versus Kano. Kano comes out and this is the first time you actually see him in comparison to another person. He is an enormous human being. He must be like a 280 pound, just giant strength weightlifter. No body fat on that guy. He was enormous. And Sonya Blade's arms look like the equivalent of like a buffalo wing. She's like a 90 pound model. That's what she looks like. She looks like she weighed 90 pounds when she fought this guy. Okay, so this fight is not supernatural in any way. I want to no, just these keep are that two in mind. These are two humans. normal human beings. Okay, <laughs> and they literally square off with their fists up. You know, we have weight classes. <laughs> For a reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For whatever reason in this movie... I'm just, I, I watched the fight in just complete disdain. I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this is just really stupid. I so, can't. All, right, all right, so a guy shoots ice out of his hands. And, a- and, and, and I'm okay with that. But watching this fight, I'm like, this is unbelievable. This is just really dumb. I can't, <laughs> this is taking me out of the movie. <laughs> well, that's, that's not enough. So Sonya Blade grabs uh, Kano, gets him on the ground in a submission hole. She has her legs wrapped around his neck. So Sonya Blade snaps. This 290-pound beast of a man snaps his neck with a little twig legs. Next up, immediately after this, next up is Scorpion versus Johnny Cage. This fight had the potential to be really cool. Yeah, it did. It had it had a ton of potential, and it just it like shit the bed really bad. You could tell it was going downhill the second this the snake thing came out of his hand. Oh my god! It, it, it looked even worse in this scene than it did the first time. Not only that, but it died. And then its head detached. It's supposed to be a spear. What is it? It's this? supposed to come in and out because he he uses it repeatedly. That's like his main weapon. But yeah. he, it dies and it... And then they like teleport to hell or something. Which is under construction. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a giant construction site. <laughs> and they have this ridiculous fight where uh, Johnny Cage utilizes Jim Kata. You know what that is. <sighs> It's the movie with gymnastic skills and karate kills. He grabs like an I beam or whatever. And he starts <laughs> he starts spinning around like he's at the he's at the Olympics. Yeah, it's a stupid fight, you know. No way in hell could Johnny Cage beat Scorpion. Regardless, uh, Johnny Cage chops off his head. He blows up, and he does a, a friendship in the in from the game yeah. where he leaves his autograph. Okay, next up, Katana versus Liu Kang. This wasn't a fight. I don't even know what the hell the point of this was. They were fighting, I guess, but every time they would embrace, they would lock up. She whipped out her copy of Game Pro, <laughs> went, went to the Mortal Kombat section. She was like, pro tip, use the essence of life. What is going on here? The fight. Even Chang Sung was annoyed. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> fight. Katana, this is really boring. Yeah. Fight. <laughs> the little boys are getting bored. Come on. Come on. Martin was bouncing around in his seat. Now he's just looking around the movie theater. So we don't even know what happened at the end of this fight what the hell happened i was under the impression that mortal Kombat was a fight to the death you're supposed to kill the other guy i think shang Tsung just got bored and just said whatever and everybody got up and walked away they're like whatever all right so right after that it's luke kang versus sub-zero raiden shows up carrying water because apparently he's like a servant and he puts them on the floor <laughs> and luke kang walks in it's at this point that sub-zero then walks in through a different door 
Sub-Zero then grasps some imaginary spirit ball. It looks like something out of Dragon Ball Z. Like, he's making this giant force field out of ice. And then Liu Kang, he finally figures this out. Use the essence that brings life. Which is water. Water. He grabs a pail of water, throws it. And it freezes. Into an ice spear, slams into Sub-Zero, and he freezes to death. If there's anything that shouldn't kill Sub-Zero, it's ice. He controls ice. That's his power. His power is to control, manipulate, or create ice in any way. Again, who thought that's a good idea? Let's kill the ice man with ice. All right, after this, it's uh, Goro versus Johnny Cage. And, okay, this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie where they show, <laughs> they, they, they show like, the way that they represent Goro beating up all these people is that they show, like, uh, a close-up of these rocks on the ground, and then some guy, some random schmo, just flops, belly flops onto rocks, right? So normally, you you know, maybe you do that three times, and we get the point... <laughs> They do this like 20 times. I'm like, okay, I get it. Let's go. Oh, and you know what else was really good? There's a part before Goro even shows up. Like like I said earlier, there's, like, there's this one pointless character that they created just for the movie that, mind you, only Johnny Cage has talked to. No so one else acknowledges his existence. That he's even there. He might as well have been like a figment of <laughs> Cage's imagination because nobody else even saw him. So this guy fights Goro and Goro just murders him, just kills him in front of everybody. So your blade goes, <laughs> no! Like that was her husband. <laughs> She's never even talked to the guy. And she just murdered somebody a couple scenes ago. <laughs> What does she care? She murdered someone after he begged for mercy. He's like, please mercy. She's like, no. (laughs) Now, an interesting thing. So this guy dies, right? And Shang Tsung decides to steal this guy's soul. Interesting thing about this. If you remember what we said before, the convention had been set up. Shang Tsung steals people's souls through his hand. It looks like he's sucking their, their muscles away or something. And then they turn to ice or something. In this time, <laughs> they, they, they slapped it up a, bit, a little bit. Shang Tsung's on the other side of the room. This guy's dead. And his soul comes out of his body. And it's represented by, like, this guy is all white and ghostly. He's like, Rrr! and he floats in midair and flies into Shang Tsung's eyeball in such a cheesy effect. What do you think? It zooms in on Shang Tsung's face. And I thought after that was going to happen, he was going to, like, wink at us or something. <laughs> <laughs> Where the soul is going to be like, <laughs> into his eyes, going to be Next up is Johnny Cage. It's finally Johnny Cage's turn to fight Goro. He begins the fight. Johnny, that that gives Johnny Cage time to run around and start climbing up this amphitheater setting of like a ring and get to this area where he's going to be fighting Goro on the side of a cliff. What does he kick him or punch him? He kicks him off a cliff, which brings about the funniest effect of the entire movie. <laughs> Joel, what 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 happens after he kicks him off this cliff? So, so Goro falls off the cliff and he's hanging on with his pinky finger and then he lets go and I think what they were trying to represent is that he's supposed to drop off the cliff down into an abyss but what they did with the effect is that they they made like this cloud line at the base of the mountain and this in effect created a horizon line where there should have just been an abyss so 
optically what this looks like. <laughs> because what's really funny is at the horizon line, there's a light source insinuating that there's like a sun or something. <laughs> Instead of him looking like he's dropping into an abyss, it looks like he's <laughs> laterally falling <laughs> sideways through the air <laughs> into the into the sunset. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> like he's getting sucked away to some other world. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, like his feet are parallel to the ground, and he's just <laughs> levitating away. <laughs> This is great. It's a great effect. It was such a great shot because, like, when I first saw it, like, my mind, my subconscious mind picked it up immediately. It was like, there's something wrong here. (laughs) If it took a second for the rest of you to catch up, it'd be like, it looks like he's falling into the horizon. In a movie of horrible special effects, this one stands out among the rest. Shang Tsung kidnaps Sonya Blade. He said that he's gonna, he needs her for whatever reason. Which makes no sense again because they, how do you know she was coming? She came by mistake. Yeah, so he, he needs her for this and they go but to Outworld. But she Art apparently World. is an integral part in this plan. Yeah, and the way they go to Outworld is that they ride like a jello train. <laughs> so Shang Tsung kidnaps Sonya, takes her to the Outworld, and then this happens. And now, a dramatic reading. Raiden, can Sonya beat Shang Tsung? I'm sorry. You're sorry? There's one last rule. (laughs) (laughs) Neglected to mention it. She must accept the challenge or there'll be no final combat. I have nothing further to teach you, Liu Kang. Did he teach him anything (laughs) at all during this movie? (laughs) How does he know about these rules? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we go to the final fight. They're fighting in this circular room that has the, the Mortal Kombat emblem on the ground. Now, I'm going to say this right now. I think the Mortal Kombat logo is very cool looking. It's like a dragon's head. But over the years, I have been so oversaturated with this image. When I saw it on the ground, all big like that in the scene, I kind of like internally, it was like, like I kind of groaned. It, it might as well have been like a giant city group logo or something <laughs> like that on the ground. Like it's on that caliber now. So the last fight is Luke Kang versus Shang Tsung. This isn't even worth. I don't know. I don't even. I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, spoiler alert: Liu Kang wins. Uh oh. <laughs> the end. And when Shang Tsung dies, all his souls that are in his body they fly up like. Ooh, this is <laughs> this is the scene in the movie that I had been waiting for the entire time because I was like, oh man, I'm gonna get to see Liu Kang shoot a fireball, which is his signature move in the game. This was the biggest let down for me as a kid and I remember being upset about it leaving the theater when he kills Shang Tsung he shoots the fireball into his chest the CG was flying wild in this movie <laughs> and it's, it's this one scene that they decide to pull back their punch <laughs> alright so just, just to get this over with so the, uh, Liu Kang wins Mortal Kombat that means the winning streak is over Outworld is gonna stay in Outworld and they can't conquer Earth Great, hooray. So they come back to Earth, and there's all these children with, like, banners <laughs> and, and flags. Like, yay, woo! Yeah, it's amazing. Victory music. Yeah, yeah, they did it. It's great. And then, like, the temple explodes, and then there's a giant 9,000-foot-tall Shao Kahn emperor in the sky. You weak, pathetic fools. Your soul is mine. Okay. Hold on. Didn't we just... What was the point of this entire movie? I thought we were supposed to prevent... Okay, it was, coming it, was, in. it was at this scene that they rendered the movie useless. It's like, oh. that it, there, there was no point in having Mortal Kombat <laughs> and this entire rule-laden rule, rule laden, uh, laden 
exercise was an exercise in futility and pointlessness because he's going to come anyway. Why did he wait? Why did he wait 10,000 years if he's just going to show up anyway? Why didn't he just come over? The end. Mortal Kombat's done. That's it. All right. Marlon, let's find out what the real critics had to say about Mortal Kombat. The movie has everything a teenage boy could want. Everything that is, but an interesting plot, decent dialogue, and compelling acting. Laura Evenson, San Francisco Chronicle. It should be worth noting that you can play the game much cheaper than seeing the movie, and the end result is much the same. Madeline Williams, Cinematter. Okay, Martin, this movie has a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? Yes, this movie is that bad. (laughs) I love this movie when I was, I guess, 11 when it came out. And it doesn't hold up. It was kind of crushing watching it. But at the same time, I think it like really helps me understand (laughs) what I was into and and how I thought about movies when I was an 11-year-old kid. And that being said, there were moments where it was kind of brought me back. It was kind of it was kind of nostalgic for me. As far as acting goes, there wasn't any. The critics are absolutely right about the plot and it not existing, and the effects are horrible. So I'm gonna give this movie a solid two out of five. I wouldn't recommend anybody go see it, even if you liked it when you were younger, unless you want your your childhood dreams to be dashed. Okay, as for me, is it really that bad? It pains me to say it, but it looks like this is another lost in space scenario for me. Yes, it is that bad. I loved it when I was younger, but oh man, did this movie not hold up. I wanted to give this a three so badly, but I can't. I just can't. I have to give it a two. I I have to. I know, I know. It sucks. Uh, What are you going to do? Yeah, man, another childhood dream shattered. Okay, let's read some listener mail. Now, this week, we actually got a ton of listener mail and feedback, so I'm going to blast through this as fast as possible. We're really short on time here, so let's see what I can do here. So, Adam writes in with this comment about G.I. Joe. He says, Destro's face becomes metal. You can see the regret in Christopher Eccleston's eyes that he did not stay on as Doctor Who and is forced to do this crap. You're absolutely right. That is a great quote. I love that. Okay, Gina writes in and she says, Granted, I'm a girl and I was born in 1985, so I really didn't watch much of G.I. Joe, but lots of my guy friends did and I have some basic knowledge of G.I. Joe. I understand why all the guys I know were so sad after watching this movie. I was so bored near the end, I actually picked up a book I had on my coffee table (laughs) and started reading it. If you want your children to read, make them watch this movie. Bad acting, bad CG, bad plot, just bad. I'm sorry to all the boys of the 80s for the abuse of your childhood icons. I fear what will happen if Jem is ever made into a movie. It's going to be truly outrageous, probably. <laughs> That's the only thing I got to say about it. Okay, Marlene writes in and says, Thanks for reviewing Bicentennial Man. Although I love this movie upon watching it again, I realize there are a few kinks in it that make it kind of ridiculous. The putty scene sticks out the most for me. How does that make a face? <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, thank you also for reviewing G.I. Joe. I sat and watched it with my friends once, and they actually enjoyed it. Dear God, I knew from the moment Channing Tatum was cast as a star that it would be horrible. Sad, I know I was right. Anyway, keep up the good work. And P.S. Sorry about putting you guys through the torture of Babylon AD, but it had to be reviewed from Marlene. 
We actually got this email that came in in the middle of us recording this. It's from Jason about G.I. Joe. He says, I didn't remember much about G.I. Joe, but I did like the movie in theaters. I thought it was a fun summer movie, but that was the same summer as Transformers 2, and any movie compared to that is good. Also, I'm currently watching Mortal Kombat, and I swear I just heard Sonya knock a couple thugs down some stairs, and there was a bowling pin sound effect. Really? <laughs> who thought that was a good idea? Jason. Well, Jason, I'll tell you who thought that was a good idea. The Wachowski brothers. Go watch Matrix Reloaded during the big burly brawl fight scene. Neo picks up Agent Smith and tosses him to one of the other Agent Smiths, and it makes a bowling pin sound effect. So go check that out. Okay, next up, here are the answers to the question of the week. And the question was, what cartoon show from your childhood would you most like to see as a live action movie? Here are some of the responses we got. Wayne writes in and says he has three shows come to mind. The first would be Exosquad with space pirates, genetically engineered humans that rebel and take over most of the human planets. Sweet exosuits used to wage war. What's not to love? That's a great story. And Joel called me up about a month ago. I bought Martin a copy of Exosquad for five bucks. Season, and it was shocking one. how it was, good it was. It was the story is great. Okay, the second one that he picks up is Dino Riders. And the third would be Brave Star. Joe writes in and says, Wow, the greatest would be Gargoyles from Disney. The incredible voice talent would have to be lost, though. Great cartoon, and Disney only released half of the second season. Damn you, Disney. I liked Gargoyles growing up, but I didn't think the story was that good. I did. Awesome show. Great pick. Anonymous writes in and says, I second Dino Riders. Star Trek plus Jurassic Park could be awesome or awesomely bad. Blamson writes in and says, Dino Saucers. They have ruined Transformers and G.I. Joe. Could they possibly pull off Voltron? No. No. Uh, the I, is I, no. Emphatic no. No. I don't even want them to touch that. Jason writes in and says, what about a live action version of some of the Kablam sketches like Action League Now? You know, he just went really obscure, really fast. I think, what, 5% of people listening to this even know what the hell Kablam is? Yeah, but we, I think I know most of the sketch. Remember Prometheus and Yeah, Bob yeah, 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 yeah. And- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this to you, Jason. I, the only thing I liked about Kablam were the Henry and June segments. Okay, and uh, JV writes in, he says, As long as the Tina Review's write-up of the Grey Skull screenplay is accurate, I think I would still love to see that movie made. Based on Filmation's He-Man and Masters of the Universe, Grey Skull, Masters of the Universe is the story of He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe, and his eternal battle with Skeletor. But the screenplay has zero camp, zero orco, and zero badness. In this case, badness being things are not good. You know, like Channing Tatum's acting. Ooh, burn. (laughs) Ouch. From JV. And finally, normally I don't read these on the show, but I thought these two were pretty good. This tweet was sent to us by Nito Burrito, and she says, you should change the name of the podcast to The Quaid Hour with Joel and Martin. I, uh, I I support this wholeheartedly where we do nothing but review Dennis Quaid <laughs> movies. movies. Yeah, that'd be great. And uh, Chris wrote in with a movie suggestion. I definitely don't read these on the show, but I thought this was great. He suggests Radio, starring Cuba Gooding Jr. It's terrible. 33% Rotten Tomatoes, yet somehow user rated 88%. Cuba Gooding Jr. should have to actually suck poison out of Paul Hogan's ass after this one. <laughs> That is excellent. <laughs> Great job, Chris. <laughs> that is the best review of Cuba Gooding Jr.'s acting. Thanks for the response, guys. So now it's time for the new question of the week. So in honor of Mortal Kombat, what do you guys think is actually a good 
video game movie. Is there such a thing? And if not, can it be done? And with what game? Yeah, like, is there a game out there that you think would, could be turned into a pretty cool movie? Go to yesthatbad.com and leave a comment on this episode's page with an answer. And if you want to contact us, you can send us an email at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. Hey, Joel, do you think there's any video game that could do that? Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver 1 and 2. I'd like to see The Legend of Zelda made into a movie. Okay, now's the time we announce the movies for the next Listener's Choice episode. And the theme is water movies. Your choices are Sphere versus Waterworld. If you don't know what either of these movies are, don't worry. Just go to yesthatbad.com and you'll see that I post trailers to both these movies. Once again, go to yesthatbad.com and vote on which movie you would like to see in the next Listener's Choice episode. The choices are Sphere versus Waterworld. As for next week's movie, tune in when we will be reviewing Ghostbusters 2. So, to recap, go to yesthatbad.com and vote in the listener's choice poll for which movie you would like to see, either Waterworld or Sphere, and tune in next week when we will be reviewing Ghostbusters 2. This movie is currently available on Netflix Instant, so you can play along with us at home. I know a lot of you out there have already seen this movie, and it's a pretty divisive movie. Some people hate it, some people love it. Either way, I want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail at 973-797-YEAH. That's 973-797-9324. Leave us a voicemail and we will play it on the show. Joel, you have a very checkered pass with this movie. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) By the way, for this movie, I'm going to make a mandate. We have to watch part one before you watch two. All right, fine. So, If you like what you've heard, please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Please, please, please. That really helps us out a lot. Please tell your friends about the show by liking us on Facebook and talking about us on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at Yeah, It's Bad. And you can do all this from YeahIt'sThatBad.com. By the way, we recently finally broke 100 likes on Facebook. So thank you. And if you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing to the show. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Once again, thanks for listening. What was, what was the point of that? He looked like DJ from uh, Yeah, I, I thought Virtual that too. Fighter. Yeah. It was, uh, he almost like... Don't you mean Street Fighter? Who was from Virtual Fighter then that was like... Uh, the Rasta guy? He did. He, he oh, who cares? He did, he did, he did no, Capoeira. Stop, shut up. All right. No, stop. <laughs> and that's Eddie Gordo from Tekken. Get it right. Oh, geez. Sorry. <laughs> So much hatred. <laughs> I, th- I thought we were going to keep the nerd levels down on this one. <laughs> <laughs>